0: Well, this morning, as we continue our journey from Christmas to Easter, following the life and ministry of Jesus, uh, we now find ourselves much closer to Easter then we do Christmas. Although we aren't giving a a precise timeline in the scriptures, uh, all of the events that we're going to look at from this point on um, are are likely to have taken place within the last you know, maybe two or three weeks before Jesus's death and resurrection. Now, that being said, there's a lot of stuff that happens in those last two or three weeks uh, before that. Uh, In fact, if you were to read through the book of John, you'd see that about the last half of the book of John all happens within those last two to three weeks. Uh, And so that's probably helpful for us to remember as we go through our story this morning. This morning, we're going to be looking primarily at John chapter 11. And so if you want to follow along in your Bibles with me, you can certainly turn there now. Uh, But before we get into it, let's stop here and pray and just ask God to teach us something new from his word this morning. Dear God, we thank you so much for this day that we can gather once again in this place, we can open up your scriptures, and we can read these messages that you've given to us uh, to instruct us, to encourage us, to exhort us to to love and good deeds, uh, to help us know more about who you are and and who we are even. Uh, So I pray that you would uh, open up our minds, that we would uh, be receptive to what you're saying to us through your Holy Spirit, um, and that we would adjust our lives accordingly as we we continually become a little little bit more like you. May we grow to love you more and more through the things that we are about to to read and learn this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So John chapter 11, we're going to start at verse 1, and it begins like this. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the same Mary who later poured expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother, Lazarus, was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus, telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. And we'll stop there for now. So here we're introduced to three significant characters in the life of Jesus. There's there's three siblings, uh, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And we quickly see that these three seem to hold a a bit of a special place in the life of Jesus. Uh, Specifically, in verse 3, we read that these, these two sisters refer to Lazarus as Jesus's dear friend. So right away, this tells me that this plea for help uh, for Jesus is not like most of the other pleas for help that Jesus would receive on probably a daily basis. You know, these are not random strangers that just hear that Jesus is coming through. And so they, they send message, come help me for, for whatever the, the, the ailment is, you know, kind of like what we saw even a few weeks ago with, with Jairus or with his sick daughter or, or the bleeding woman. Uh, but rather these are actually some of Jesus's closest friends. In fact, as we read through the rest of the gospels, we see that Jesus on, on more than one occasion is at their house for for a dinner party and just hanging out with them. Uh, so, so Jesus is actually pretty close with this family. They're, they're some of his, his closest and dearest friends. And now one of these friends, Lazarus, was sick, very sick, according to the message that was sent to Jesus here in verse three. Now, if you've been with us for these past several weeks, as we've been following Jesus, uh, looking at his life and ministry, you'll recall how Jesus always seems to have compassion for anyone in need. You know, when when the wine ran out at that wedding, he he turned the water into wine for them. Or or when uh, all the crowds of people were following Jesus, listening to him teach, and it was the end of the day, they're all getting hungry. Jesus multiplied fish and bread for them to eat. Uh, And and then also, as we just uh, talked about, when Jairus' daughter was, was sick and dying, Jesus stopped whatever he was doing to go and heal this young girl. It seems Jesus always had compassion for those in need. And so certainly if Jesus had compassion on on these strangers that he didn't even know, certainly he'll have compassion on his dear friend Lazarus. So let's read what he does. Verse 4. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus's sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God, so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, He stayed where he was for the next two days. Now, this seems a little bit out of character for Jesus. His dear friend, Lazarus, is sick, very sick, sick enough that his sister send message to Jesus, Jesus, your dear friend is sick, hoping that Jesus will come and heal him. But what does Jesus do? Well, apparently nothing, right? He did nothing. He did not go and heal Lazarus. He he just stayed right where he was for the next two days. Why would he do that? Why would he not immediately, you know, head off to, to, to Bethany to heal Lazarus? Well, there's two clues in this passage. The first clue is in what Jesus says in verse 4. Uh, he says, "Lazarus's sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God, so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. Now that, that almost sounds a little bit cryptic, but the bottom line seems to be that Lazarus was sick so that God would be glorified. Now, of course, Jesus didn't say how God would be glorified. Uh, That would actually become a little bit more clear later on in the story. But at this point, all we need to know is that God was going to be glorified through this sickness. And we think, well, well, wouldn't God be glorified if Jesus went and and healed Lazarus? I mean, Jesus did that on on many other occasions, and and, and people gave glory to God for that. Well, yeah, I, I think that's probably true. God would be glorified if Jesus went and healed Lazarus. But God had something much bigger in mind by not healing Lazarus, God was preparing to do something later that would be much more impactful and would bring much more glory to God. But if Jesus were to intervene now and to heal Lazarus at this point, well, then all those those more glorious things simply wouldn't have a chance to happen. And that, I think, can probably be a good encouragement for us as we go through our struggles today. You know, sometimes we struggle to understand why God doesn't heal our sickness or or intervene in our situation, whatever that situation may be. We may feel like God's ignoring our cries for help or, or he's withholding his goodness from us for whatever reason. But that's simply not the case. Sometimes God allows us to go through really difficult things in life so that ultimately he will be glorified. And if he were to intervene now, God wouldn't get the glory for what he was about to do through that situation. And I know that, that can be sometimes a little hard for us to accept. We would much rather be rescued now from our situation than to endure it for, for weeks or months or even years. Uh, but lest we think that, that God is he's willing to make us suffer for his glory, that's not quite true either. God is always working not only for his glory, but also for our good. I read a, a quote from a guy named Jerry Bridges this week. He said, God never pursues his glory at the expense of the good of his people, nor does he ever seek our good at the expense of his glory. He has designed his eternal purpose so that his glory and our good are inextricably bound together. Isn't that encouraging? God's glory and our good are inextricably bound together. God never chooses one or the other. They're always both, right? It's it's one and the same. God's glory and our good is tied together. And so when we're going through those difficult times in life or when we're we're suffering or whatever it is, we can know that through that, God is going to bring about his glory and our good. You know, this is a, a great comfort and encouragement for us. And this is actually what we see in this passage. Uh, in verse 5 and 6, we see the second clue for why Jesus didn't immediately go and heal Lazarus, although we might not catch it in the NLT as well. I, I noticed the, the N-E or the NIV actually puts it a little bit clearer, uh, and I'll read that for you. It says, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Now that might seem counterintuitive. Jesus stayed where he was for two days longer because he loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. It says he loved them so, or therefore, because of this. And so he he stayed two days longer because he loved them, right? His his love was the reason why he didn't go. And, And that, again, just seems counterintuitive. That doesn't make any sense. But Jesus knew that his delay was for their benefit. You know, healing Lazarus now would actually rob them of the good that God had in mind for them. And again, I'm sure that didn't make any sense to them at the moment. Uh, They probably had no idea why. But we'll see, as they did in time, that God was making perfect sense. And so therefore, Jesus stayed two more days where he was. And then in verse 7 we read, Finally, he said to his disciples, Let's go back to Judea. But his disciples objected rabbi, they said. Only a few days ago, the people in Judea were trying to stone you. Are you going there again? Now, just to, to give you the context for the disciples' objections here, if you just to flip back to the last chapter, chapter 10, uh, Jesus had just, uh, he had about, just about been stoned because as he was talking to the people, he made a claim that he was the son of God and they didn't seem to like that. So they were about to stone him, but he escaped and went down to the Jordan River and, and that's where he got this message uh, about Lazarus. And um, And so now, as Jesus says, well, let's go back to Judea. His disciples are not convinced that this is a really good idea to go right back to where, you know, only days ago, Jesus was about to be stoned. But Jesus says in verse 9, it says, Jesus replied, there are 12 hours of daylight every day. During the day, people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of this world. But at night, there is danger of stumbling because they have no light. Then he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep but now I will go and wake him up. The disciples said, Lord, if he's sleeping, he will soon get better. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now, you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let's go too and die with Jesus. (laughs) On just a little side note here, Thomas is such an interesting character, right? We often think of him as as doubting Thomas, right? And to be honest, he does seem a a little pessimistic. You know, he's he's pretty sure they're all going to die. But one thing's for sure, he is certainly committed to following Jesus, right? He's willing to go with Jesus anywhere, even if it means certain death. And that's maybe just a, a little poke of our conscience this morning. You know, what are we willing to do to follow Jesus, how far do we go in our commitment to him? You know, do we have the, the boldness of Thomas? Not just to die for Jesus, but to live for him in our workplace or, or in our uh, neighborhood or in our school or wherever we are. You know, I imagine in some ways it might be easier to die for Jesus than to live for him, right? Living for him is a lot harder, a lot lot longer process. But what are we willing to do uh, for Jesus? Well, that's probably another sermon for another day, but I'll just leave that with you to think about uh, for today. For now, let's jump, jump back to Lazarus in verse 17. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Now, there's two ways that we might read Martha's statement to Jesus. Uh, some might say that he's she's a little upset with Jesus. You know, Jesus, why didn't you come when we sent you the message? Why did you delay? If you had only been here, my brother would not have died. But, you know, I'm not sure that that's the tone here. Um, it seems that this is maybe more of a, a statement of, I've just... Regret and grief, uh, just part of that natural process of grieving the loss of a loved one. You know, it's going through all those those what if questions that we all go through when a tragedy happens. You know, what if that person hadn't hadn't driven to to work that day, or or, or what if they had made a different decision, or you know, if things had just happened differently. You know, and when we go through all those different what ifs, and and I think that's maybe the tone of of Martha here. She's she's just working through the natural process of grief, and she says, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. I don't think she's accusing Jesus, but really, she's actually stating her her faith and confidence in him. You know, if Jesus had been here, he surely would have healed her brother. And we can see that in verse 22 as well when she adds, but even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask, right? She's reaffirming her trust and her faith, uh, faith in Jesus, even as she struggles through the grief and the loss of her brother. And so Jesus replies to Martha in verse 23, Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live, even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I have always believed you are the Messiah, the son of God, the one who's come into the world from God. When when, uh, Jesus stated that Lazarus would rise again, Martha readily affirms that. She believed, as all other Jews did, that at the end of time, all the righteous would be raised to spend eternity with God. But it seems that what she didn't fully understand was that the one who would raise them to life again was the very man who was standing there in front of her. And so Jesus says to her in verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. I'm the one who brings the dead back to life. Uh, anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? He asks. And Martha affirms that she did believe. Uh, She says she's always believed that Jesus was the Messiah, the son of God. But you know, I still don't think she fully got it. I mean, maybe she was close, but not fully. Because if she had, don't you think she would have asked Jesus right there to, to raise her brother back to life? You know, if he was the son of God and had the power to raise the dead back to life. Well, why? What's stopping Jesus from raising up right here and now? but it seems that that thought doesn't even cross her mind. That that's, that's not on her radar at all. I mean, sure, Jesus could heal the sick, but, but raise the dead? You know, didn't even think of that. Well, hold that thought for now, because from here, the, the scene shifts from Martha to Mary. It says in verse 28, Then she, which is Martha, returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, The teacher is here and wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. Jesus had stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. When the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus' grave to weep. So they followed her there. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, "'Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died.'" Now, it's interesting that that Mary greets Jesus with the exact same thing that Martha did. Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. But this time, instead of responding to Mary in the same way that he responded to Martha with, with the encouragement that I am the resurrection and the life, something very different happens. Look at verse 33. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? he asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. Now this is pretty interesting. First of all, why did Jesus get angry when he saw Mary and the others weeping? And then secondly, why does Jesus express his anger or whatever it is that he's welling up within him with his own weeping? Now, of course, those who are nearby, looks at, they look at Jesus, and, and it's not too surprising. After all, Lazarus was Jesus' dear friend, and, and it'd be quite normal for someone to, to weep in that situation. And actually, in verse 36, we see that people just thought Jesus was weeping because of, of how much he loved Lazarus. Uh, it says in, in verse 36, the people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him? But some said, this man healed the blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? it almost comes across as if the people were were expressing sympathy for Jesus because you know even though even though he had the, the power to heal the sick it, it seems that that uh, bringing the saving Lazarus was out of his his reach somehow that was just beyond his abilities and, and of course we know that that certainly wasn't beyond his abilities Jesus very well could have uh, kept Lazarus from dying uh, but we know that God had other plans so what exactly is going on here though it doesn't seem too likely that that Jesus is weeping simply over the, the loss of his friend Lazarus. I mean, he just finished telling Martha that he has the, the power over life and death. And what's more, Jesus already knew what he was going to do to, to change this situation. He knew how he was going to bring glory to God um, through all of this, even two days before he left from, uh, for Bethany. So why is he weeping now? Well, this is one of those situations where the Bible doesn't offer us any specific explanations, but we can kind of piece together the clues to to make a a good educated guess. One of our big clues is the fact that as Jesus saw Mary and the others weeping and wailing over the loss of Lazarus, that Jesus had a deep anger welling up within him. The the NET says uh, he was intensely moved in spirit and greatly distressed. You know, what would cause Jesus to to feel such a deep feeling of of anger or or distress in this moment? Well, I I think after a careful study of some different commentaries and some different word studies to try to figure out what is going on here, uh, I would conclude that Jesus was angry about the pain and the anguish that was inflicted upon the people that he loved. He was angry about the the, the devastation and the suffering brought into the world by sin and death. You know, as Jesus looked at the grief of Mary, you know, one of his his dear friends, and and the grief of the crowds of of family and friends, I think it it broke his heart to see their suffering because of sin's greatest consequence, which is death. You know, even though Jesus already knows how he's going to change this situation and turn their, their mourning into joy, in the moment he feels their grief. He shares their pain. You know, it was never God's intention for humanity to suffer the way that we do because of sin and death. You know, that was not part of God's design for us. And so it pains him to see us suffer. It makes him angry to see us get hurt, much like how a parent might get angry when they see someone hurting their children. No, I think God, well, I know he loves each one of us and he weeps when we are hurting. You know, God's not some, some stoic, unfeeling God out there somewhere in the heavens, uh, just kind of coldly watching over the events of the earth. No, he, he weeps with us. He longs to rescue us from our suffering. I, I think he longs for the day even more than we do, when he will do away with all sin and all suffering, and we, his children, can live in, in peace and joy for all eternity. And even though that day is still yet to come, Jesus was about to give Mary and Martha a sneak peek of what that day is going to be like. Uh, It says in verse 38, Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb, a cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Jesus responded, Didn't I tell you you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Many of the people who were with Mary believed in Jesus when they saw this happen. You know, what a, an incredible event, you know, in the midst of all the, the grief and the sorrow that comes with the death of a loved one, Jesus intervenes and he completely puts an end to that sorrow and grief. He, he brings the dead back to life. He, he restores the joy and, and that sense of wholeness to that family. The, the pain and the loss of death were, were completely reversed. It was a complete miracle. And this miracle is just a snapshot of what Jesus has been working to accomplish since before the time uh, began. Before sin entered the world. Jesus is working to, to bring the dead back to life. You know, Ever since Satan introduced sin and death to the world. He's been at work setting in motion the, the, the things necessary to reverse that process. Uh, to reverse sin and death and all of their, their devastating effects. To restore our joy and our wholeness. To, to put an end to all sorrow and suffering and grief forever. And as we get closer to Easter, uh, we will look exactly to see how he did all that through his own death and resurrection. Uh, Like I said, Lazarus's resurrection was really just a a sneak peek. But today I wanna close with just three little reminders from our passage today. And and hopefully these will give you the, the encouragement that you need to get through your week. Number one, God is always working for your good and his glory. You know, there are many times when we simply do not understand why God allows us to go through such difficult and painful things in our life. We don't understand why he doesn't intervene and and change our situation. Like like Mary and Martha, we plead for him to to come and, and bring healing and restoration, you know, to make things right before it's too late. But sometimes God chooses not to act in that moment. He waits two more days or two more weeks or two more years. And many times we may never know why, but God knows why. He has a purpose in everything that he does or doesn't do. Like we read back in verse four, but when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the son of God will receive glory from this. So although Mar- Jesus loved Mary, Martha, or Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. So can I just encourage you this morning, That if Jesus seems to be delaying his intervention in your situation, if it seems like he's just ignoring your cries for help, please know that he hears you and he loves you. And whatever whatever it is that he's doing or not doing in your life, he's doing it for your good and his glory. You may not see it now. You may not see it for a long time, but you can trust that he's going to do something amazing through this. And that leads us into the second reminder. And that is, that Jesus shares your grief. You know, it's important to remember that even though God does allow some really hard things in life, it's never been his desire to see us suffer. He didn't create us for that. He created us to experience joy and and peace and and, uh, life for eternity. It pains him to see us suffer. And he shares our grief. He shares our sorrow. He understands and he weeps with us. I think that's maybe why I love Revelation 21-4 so much. And I know I share this verse with you a lot. But I think this really captures the heart of God. Uh, As John describes the new heaven and the new earth, he says this at the end of time. He writes, God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. You know, I think God is looking forward to that day more than we are even. He can't wait to put an end to our suffering and our pain, to instead fill us with joy and peace and life forever. And that takes us then to our third reminder for the day. And that is that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. You know, that's the the hope that we have for the future. Even even the comfort that we need now as we go through our, our current suffering, that's only found through faith in Jesus Christ. It's through him that we have the hope of resurrection and life And as I said, we're going to talk more about this as we get closer to Easter. But this miracle is even greater than the miracle that Lazarus experienced. I mean, technically, Lazarus didn't experience resurrection per se, but more of a a resuscitation, right? That is, he got his old life into his old body back again. Poor old Lazarus actually had to go through the whole dying process again. You know, sometime later, we don't know exactly when, but he had to go through all that again. But for us, God promises not just a resuscitation, but an actual resurrection We have the hope of a brand new sin-free life in a brand new sin-free body that will live forever. We will never again have to suffer the consequences of sin. But that hope is found only through Jesus Christ. As Jesus said to Martha, uh, he told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Do you believe this, Martha? And that's the question that's uh, for all of us today. Do you believe this, Dave? Do you believe this, Curtis? Do you believe this? Put your own name in there. That's the question. Because it's our belief in him that gives us the hope of resurrection and life. Dear God, thanks again so much for this reminder uh, that we aren't just gonna be resuscitated, but we get to be resurrected. We have a whole brand new life. God, we thank you that you love each one of us so dearly. And even when we're going through those hard times in life and we have no idea why, we thank you that you know why and you have our good and your glory in mind and you're gonna work all things out. And we just thank you that we have the the hope of resurrection to look forward to. God, you are so good to us. Uh, May we just uh, be delighted and filled with joy just knowing that as we go through this week. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.